0: Prepare your ears, humans. Happy, Sad, Confused begins now.
1: Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, Priyanka Chopra Jonas on her new memoir and her evolving film career. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Uh, another newbie to the podcast this week. We, we seem to go on runs. I feel like sometimes like it's it's all the, the old friends returning for another round, and I love that. But I also equally love meeting new people, getting to know new people. And um, that kind of fits Priyanka uh, Chopra Jonas, who I think I've met just one or two times before, but certainly never... Uh, a lengthy chat like this. So this was this was a nice opportunity. Priyanka is, of course, a celebrated actor, uh, a global superstar, and, uh, you know, some people you can kind of, like, skirt that and be like, yeah, they're, they're big around the world. No, no, Priyanka's the real deal. Priyanka, before she ever came to, you know, Western cinema and American television, was already a ginormous deal back home, she has had a remarkable life, and she is now detailing it in her memoir called Unfinished. Uh, I had a chance to read this. It is a great piece of work, and it is a truly a fascinating tale, a unlikely story of a woman who had no aspirations to be an actor or be in the entertainment business, who found herself with this amazing opportunity after she had won the Miss World competition. And I guess this was some somewhat of the, the usual process where like a Miss World then gets these acting opportunities, uh, especially back home in, in India. And um, and she certainly made the most of it. She became a huge star in India in, in dozens of films of varied pieces of work. And then, of course, started to make the transition here. First tried out uh, music and then, you know, that didn't really take, but then came back in relatively recent times, with Quantico, which was a groundbreaking show for ABC, and is now really mixing it up in an in, in interesting and varied work. Whether it's you know she kind of made her big um, Hollywood debut in Baywatch, and then she was in Is, it, is in it Romantic? She's in the new film The White Tiger, which is uh, which is a great piece of work from Rami and Barani. On, um, on Netflix right now It's it's been seen a gajillion times <laughs> around the world uh, and she she's going to soon be in a film with our buddy Sam Hewen. she just shot that, of course we talk about that of course, I'm, I'm contractually obligated to bring up Sam Hewen if he has any tangential relation to the guest, so I, I did my duty guys, uh, and she also has just shot a role in the new Matrix movie so, you know, had to do a little bit of digging Uh, on that front so this was a a fun chat she is hugely charismatic well-spoken smart funny self-deprecating all the good things you want in a guest and of course talented to boot so this was a nice opportunity and i'm thrilled she came on the podcast uh priyanka chopra jonas Other things to mention, of course, I have to mention Stir Crazy, my Comedy Central series. I always want you guys to check out the lighter side of Josh. Not that these conversations are so dark, but this is the even sillier side of me. Uh, New episode this week on Comedy Central's Facebook and YouTube pages with the great Noah Centineo. The dreamy heartthrob that is Noah Centineo. You know him from the Netflix series of films to all the boys I've loved before. Um, He was game. He was funny, he was silly. Again, all the things you want in a stir-crazy guest. I hope you guys enjoy that one. <clears throat> as I lose my voice, uh, check it out. Also, let's look at the movie release schedule. Oh, a couple of good movies coming out this Friday. Uh, Nomadland, I feel like I've been talking about Nomadland for like six months. Um, you know, Those of us kind of in the entertainment um, you know, talk show and, and film coverage beat, uh, I feel like we get into this bubble where like, that movie hasn't come out yet? Nomadland is one of those movies that's been screened a lot in in these kind of virtual festivals for months. Finally, it is being released. Uh, It is from Chloe Zhao, who directed The Rider, another exceptional piece of work work you should check out. This one stars Frances McDormand. It is a lyrical, beautiful piece of work and um, really shows off what Chloe Zhao can do behind the camera, and I'm fascinated to see what she does next, which is a big ol' Marvel movie. Yeah, she's directing The Eternals, so that's an interesting pathway for a young filmmaker. Uh, The Mauritanian is out this week with uh, Jodie Foster, uh, Tahar Rahim, um, who's getting some awards attention, and justifiably so, and Jodie Foster, who's also in the mix. That is a a great um, kind of docudrama about the... um, the Injustices at Guantanamo Bay, and directed by Kevin MacDonald, who, who knows that space well, did The Last King of Scotland and other films of that type, so that is very well executed. I don't know if you guys can hear, but my dog is at my door. I'm hiding in my bedroom right now, and it's not a monster on the other side of the door. It's just a really cute and anxious and excited uh, pit bull mix. So I should go check out how she's doing, how Lucy's doing, and you should check out this conversation with Priyanka Chopra Jonas. Again, the new movie is The White Tiger on Netflix and the new memoir is Unfinished. Check it out and enjoy this chat. I'm thrilled that Priyanka Chopra Jonas is joining me on Happy Say Confused at Long Last. Hi, Priyanka.
0: How are you, Josh?
1: I'm doing all right. It's a, it's a, I don't know what the weather, you're in London, I take it, right?
0: I am in London at the moment.
1: So I don't know if you can see on my video, I'm like in the middle of like the biggest snowstorm in five years in New York. Oh my gosh, this are you,
0: is, wow.
1: This is so weather. So pretty. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> this is This is what I signed up. I'm, I mean, did you grow up with the, uh, I'm just, I'm so, I'm so um, ignorant of weather, weather patterns around the world. Back home, was yeah. snow a part of your life?
0: Um, You know, so just like America, different parts of the country are, you know, different temperatures. So we used to, in India, during summer vacations, go up north and, um, you know, go into the snow and Kashmir and stuff like that, which was beautiful. But um, predominantly, my, not really, I moved to the U.S. uh, when I was 12 years old, actually, and I moved to Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and that's when I my first real winter of living in the snow and not just making snow snowballs when you're you know vacationing the first time shoveling snow off of a car and the realities of (laughs) that it's not pretty when you live in it it's not that glamorous
1: yeah the first hour oh my god this is amazing the 10th hour
0: crazy behind you though right now
1: it's intense it's like one or two inches an hour so um (sighs) yeah wish me luck. lot my I, i just got a dog too so she just experienced her first um, Aww. intense snowfall, and she was not a big fan. I don't think, although she did, she, she she did her business. So I give her credit for that.
0: Oh, that's good. My dog Diana, she will not step out if it's raining. Like she will not step out. She turns, doesn't an about turn and comes back.
1: Oh, uh, what a what an LA dog! What a prima yeah, donna! She,
0: she she actually is a New Yorker. Um, oh really? She lived the first three of, years of her life in New York, and when it would rain, like she would hate going out. I had to get like a little, you know batch of grass upstairs in our apartment so that she would go
1: <laughs> amazing amazing so um thank you for for, for uh, escaping for a few minutes i know you're you know you're you're actually i i'm not surprised given what i know about you and given reading your your book unfinished that you've even in this year this last year where a lot of us have kind of like had to necessarily stop i feel like this is like your third different project you've shot in the last year at least right
0: um yes it is my third project this year <laughs> But, you know, I have to say it's like, you know, everyone is at home and everyone is watching entertainment. Right. And we're like, okay, I finished watching the show. And what's the next thing? Or I finished watching the movie. What's the next thing? That's what we do. So we're working so much is because people are watching so much.
1: No, this is fair. I kept I mean, yeah, selfishly, I was like when this all started. I mean, the very bottom of the list of concerns, but one of the bottom concerns was like, wait, what? What happens when all the TV shows and and entertainment runs out? What am I going to do with my with my life? But exactly. Thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, we found a way to make it work, and even in these insane circumstances. Um, congratulations on both the White Tiger, which is excellent. I checked that out recently. It's on Netflix. Oh yay! Um, and Unfinished. You're. I think you're the second memoir I've read in quarantine it's you and matthew mcconaughey it's basically the same book same story
0: <laughs> really well that's funny
1: <laughs> just change the cover um, same story
0: well I'm, I'm i'm i didn't know that matthew was miss world or beauty queen you know, now, but now i now i get it so I like, mean, now it I mean, everything no. makes sense
1: yeah exactly <laughs> um talk to me a little bit about what the pride you take in seeing you know your name on a book compared to like, you've seen your name in lights on billboards, et cetera. There's gotta be a different source of pride, anxiety, excitement about exposing yourself in this way.
0: Um, Completely. It's such a bizarre thing when I first got the manuscript and it said my name, you know, I was like, okay, whatever. It's on a manuscript. But when it came to me in physical form, And it just felt so permanent. And I just wanted to read the book all over again, even though it had been printed to see if I made any mistakes, (laughs) because it's going to live forever. Like I have books which are hundreds of years old, you know, they exist. And um, it's just, it's such a permanence to it, especially I've been an avid reader all my life. So, you know, there's a new honor to, you know, being sort of included or inducted in a club, which is very, I feel elite because very few people can actually write a book. So I'm very privileged and honored for the opportunity that somebody wanted to publish my life story. But um, it was also very cathartic, you know, and healing. I didn't, I didn't kind of expect that. Um, I've always been sort of interested in doing things for the first time, you know, that really excites me to be like I'm the first one, like I'm doing it for the first time. I, I need to feel a sense of, Nervousness or excitement, or you need to feel challenged to sort of thrive. And this book gave me all of that.
1: Did you Did you know what it was going to be at the start? Like, did you kind of like chart out in a kind of an analytical manner how this was going to be told and what stories you wanted to hit and what parts of your life, or was it a little bit more free flowing? Give me a sense of what the process was like.
0: I think it was a marriage of both. Um, in the beginning, I was like, Oh yeah, what's the? I always wanted to write a book. I was scared of sort of a structural form of writing, you know, like a novel or a screenplay or um, I've written op-eds and I've written prose and, you know, so it was sort of like free flowing ideas. So when I decided to write a book, which I've always wanted to, but been afraid of, um, I was like, yeah, you know, the easiest thing to write would be my life story. Cause I've lived it. And I know it. Not at all. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> memories are a weird thing you don't remember a lot. You may think you've experienced your whole life, but you don't remember so much of it. So then I had to like pivot to being a little bit more analytical and I mapped out the milestones that I remembered, you know, like my first school and what was the next school. My childhood was very much about like my schools because I moved around so much and that sort of helped me color in, um, you know, the places that I was in, et cetera. And then after that, it was my
1: career. Did did you find that yeah, I know what you mean. Like I I've never kept a diary. My memory is kind I, I know like the movies I grew it's up with sketchy. better than my own life. Yeah, it's kind of weird, isn't it? So did I, you have I to go to friends and everyone, family?
0: Yeah, I did. I did. I had to corroborate the stories that I remembered with everyone in it. Cause I was like, it's called my cousins to be like, Did did this happen? Which was this what was that my favorite teacher or was that one? You know, it was so funny to like do that but I recommend this as an exercise to people you know just in general to just like as a project especially right now when I know a lot of people are at home just like write you know milestones of your lives and it's a healing you come across doors which you never thought needed to be reopened you deal with things that you didn't know you needed a perspective on and for me it was surprisingly healing
1: well, you, yeah, you say healing. It, it, it did strike me in reading it. Like, there's like a half dozen times in the book where you just come out and say, like, I apologize for this. It feels like you're like making amends. Like, I don't know if that was something like you at the start, you're like, you know what, I, I want to clear the air on this moment in my life. Or as you were going through it, like, this is a good opportunity to set the record straight and be open and, and say that, yes, in retrospect, this was something I could have done better.
0: Well, um, the way I see it was, you know, I'm not an elected official, I'm just a girl trying to navigate a career which um, I didn't inherit you know I was learning as I went along and that's how I treated the book as well I experienced everything that I was experiencing in real time um, as I was writing the book and I had an opinion on it and I think I start the book by saying that I felt like at this time in my life as a woman as a professional as a person I just have reached a place that is giving me the ability to sort of take stock of my life you know Yeah. Um, I'm secure enough in myself. I'm content. Uh, And I'm not like the insecurities of my 20s are not chasing me anymore, you know. So um, I feel like while I was looking at my life, I kind of had the ability to have a perspective on it as well. I've never been someone who, you know, clarifies because I'm not, like I said, you know, I'm just a girl trying to navigate a job. It's I'm I don't owe any explanations to anyone because, like again, I'm not voted in here. You know, right. I chose a public profession, and most of my life ended up becoming dinner table conversation, and um, that's just the deal you make with the devil. You know.
1: Well, well, yeah, except that you didn't make that deal. You kind of fell into that deal. <laughs> in <a laughs> right. Way, but then I
0: did choose it. I wasn't True. forced. True. Yes,
1: it. you could have gotten out. I suppose. Yes. So. Tough parts to, to relive uh, for you here. I mean, obviously, you talk a lot about your parents. You you lost your dad. He's front and center. There are a lot of beautiful memories about your both your parents in this. I would expect going through um, the loss of, of, I mean, I lost my dad in the last year. And, you know, it, that's, that's a- so that's sorry. A, thank you. Thank you. And I, I can only imagine um, reliving that has to be a difficult aspect of this.
0: I- didn't think it would be actually, you know, when, yeah. when you go through it, um, you feel like you've made peace with it. That's how you've been able to move on. Right. Because yeah. um, the way I articulated my process in that chapter, which I call grief, it's one of my favorite chapters. I didn't know I had done. I had to think about it. I had to ask myself like, how did I get over this? And then I came to the conclusion that I didn't. And that I accepted the fact that I never would, and like this was not, not happening to me in real time. This was again in retrospect. While writing the book, I was like, "Oh, I chose me." Like I could see what that girl was doing to survive the the pain, and and uh, hence being able to write about it because I wrote about it from an objective place. Yeah. Um, but it was hard. There, you know, every time I read the book, um, there's lots of chapters in it which are like hard to write but when you come out on the other side you know you kind of like pat yourself on the back and you're like you know what you got through that and you're on the other side and you did okay i think being easy on ourselves is is so important because everyone in the world is going to be hard on you
1: (laughs) right you might as well be (laughs) a little bit kinder um I always love to see sort of like how we're the sum of our, our parents, right? Like the, we, we take totally. different, different um, traits and, and I, I was amused to see sort of the different sides of your parents that have emerged in you. Um, I take it so your mom maybe, was, was she more into pop culture, more into TV and film
0: than your dad? Give me a no, little bit No, both my sense. parents were.
1: Were they? Okay. Um,
0: my mom was more into Western pop culture. My dad was more into Indian pop culture. Um, and that was the difference. But we used to wake up every morning. If I knew there was a Hindi song playing, I knew whose day it was at home, <laughs> who was in charge that day. Got it. If there was an English, if it was Elvis, and I was like, "Guys, right, it's mom's day."
1: <laughs> Got it. Where did your mom's appreciation of Western culture come from, or was it just so prevalent that you can't you can't ignore it anywhere? in the Well, world it
0: exists. But... Um, it exists in India in a big way, yeah. um, like it does in the rest of the world. It sort of permeates, and Elvis at that time permeated everywhere, you know, the whole world. So the '70s. T- children you know elvis and the doors that kind of um was everywhere but i guess you know my mom in india basically because of our colonial history we have a lot of english and hindi being our first languages Um, so you can consume entertainment in both you kind of speak in both you're kind of bilingual a lot of you know middle class um, you can choose to educate your kids predominantly in English or predominantly Hindi. And it's all like, OK. So because of that sort of, you know, confluence of the influence of the West, um, it's just very predominantly available. Um, and but that's what my mom grew up on. My dad was very much into Hindi movies and Bollywood songs and Hindi pop culture and like all of that stuff.
1: I know from from reading your story that it wasn't even like a remote possibility idea in your brain like I'm gonna, I'm gonna pursue the career that you ended up pursuing it's 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 luck, happenstance a lot of strange events but were you particularly interested as a kid in film TV music, the arts or were you just like any other kid.
0: I mean, just like any other kid, yeah. how much they um, appreciate pop culture is how I appreciated pop culture. Not that I was looking for an, a vocation in it, you know. Um, just like a normal kid watching a movie when it comes out or being excited about Like, r- the radio was my favorite thing. I lived on music, especially as I became a teenager. Um, you know, this is like late 90s, making mixtapes. And mm. I was that girl, you know, but never thought that you know, I'd actually be working with some of these people and I was listening to their music and never thought I'd meet Dre when I was listening to his music, you know, but life had a weird way of taking me there. And um when I was when like those kind of things happened where I met people that I'd consumed as a teenager and like they became friends or colleagues, that those were moments where I used to look back and be like, whoa. <laughs> oh totally. That happened.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I I have the same thing. I always say like the, the stuff that really always blows my mind are the, you know, back when I would do the podcast in my office, it's the people that like I grew up watching like in my, like as a 12 year old that like, how, yeah. are, how are you sitting in my office? Like Kurt Russell, you know, like silly like 80s and yeah. 90s stars that like, that, it is bizarre. So I can only imagine the surreality of your life. I mean, you mentioned, you mentioned and I had no idea you had spent this much time in the States in your like high school years. And not only in the States, but in like, you weren't in New York and LA. I mean, you were in New York partially, but you yeah. mentioned it. <laughs>
0: like, yeah, like, I was in Cedar Rapids. I was in Indianapolis. I was in Newton, Massachusetts, and I was in Queens, New York.
1: So yeah, talk about culture shock. I can only imagine. Um, are you an exceptionally adaptable person? I mean, was it difficult to kind of go from from place to place? Or did you find that you were able to kind of fit in where you had to fit in?
0: Well, when I was very young, again, because my parents were military parents, we moved around every two years. So even within India, we, we packed our bags and moved every two years. You know, so I was in a different city, a different school, different right. friends. So adapting became sort of a sense of adventure. And I have to give it to my dad. He very early on told me that, you know, the trick to adapting is um, just knowing that the next place you go to is a clean slate. So the baggage that you have in the place that you're in doesn't have to come with you. You can choose to be whoever you want to be. And that kind of got really exciting to me and lit this match of adventure. Every time I would go to a new place, So I would never be daunted by moving. I always had a sense of anticipation. Like even now my job, I'm never in one place at the same time. My job is so transient and constantly in flux. I don't know where my next check is coming from. It's like the next job you're hired for the next job you've created. You know, it's like, it's a constant hustle, but I think like if I didn't have that sense of adventure and that wasn't inculcated in me I'm very young, it would it wouldn't have served me in my job either. Yeah. You know?
1: Were Were you surprised at the different levels of? Um, you talk. I think about like Newton Mass being like the worst place in terms of like bullying and, and racism. Um, were you prepared for that? I can't
0: generalize the whole city of course, no, of course I of course. Say,
1: but your experience, like, yeah,
0: yeah Newton North at that time for me was you know, as a school it was great, I had amazing teachers I had some wonderful friends we're still friends now um, you know, but at 16 when you're just called out for, you know, things that you don't, complex things that you don't understand I don't think they did either, I don't think I did either, but it kind of stripped away at me at that point you know um but you know you just i my solution has always been to pick up my bags and move on and i moved back to india and um you know life happened
1: yeah well so to say the least so you you become <laughs> <laughs> um you know miss world you suddenly have embarked on this acting career that is kind of like this is not how it happens i mean i feel like i always say that to actors because like there is no one true path for an actor but yours is exceptionally odd you have to admit.
0: Well, I, have to, I have to say, which culturally might be different um, with the US, just for people to understand. Um, when you win a beauty pageant, or at least when I won at that time in the year 2000, the next step always was movies. Like, right. you know, a lot of beauty pageant winners before me, maybe, you know, international or national. Um, the next step would be they would be cast in a bunch of movies and there'd be like all this chatter around like Miss India or Miss World debuting in this movie and Got whatever. Um, and then we would get the opportunity. And then if you're good, you stay. If you're not, then bye-bye, just like everyone else. <laughs> but, you know, that sort of opportunity, it did, my beauty world, My the fact that I won that pageant really did propel my acting career and give me that opportunity, which maybe I wouldn't have had if I, d- you know, didn't have that. Because I didn't know anyone in the business, and I didn't even know if you know that was something that I could think of. I just sort of went wherever the wave was taking me and just made sure that I could adapt and keep my head above water and just keep learning
1: Is there any sense of imposter syndrome in those first few years where you're getting <laughs> those kind of sizable roles without much experience i mean as you say it's not unusual culturally there, but still you're probably often one of the least experienced people on set and yet you Absolutely. have kind of these amazing my f- opportunities.
0: My first few movies, I was thrown in as like Miss World and you know, I was working with the biggest actors and directors um, and I didn't know anything. Like I didn't know how to land on my mark and um, know my lines and have these lights on me and have 400 people looking at me and but still convey love and anger and whatever emotion was required while they were focusing only on my face, which would be blown up to 70mm. You know, it was such a bizarre thing to sort of wrap your head around. But I knew that I'd been given an opportunity that, you know, is, an, is a privilege. And I've always been someone who recognizes the opportunities that come my way. I don't take them for granted because I know, you know, somebody else could have had them. But right, right. now it's mine. So I gave it my best. I made sure I learned, I trained, I imbibed, I listened, I never left set after I got onto set. I was not one of those actors ever. Even now it's a habit. Um, I don't go back to my trailer. I'm usually on set like by the video village and I'll hang out and I, you know, like sort of learn why people make the decisions that they do. My, my acting school has been my set, you know, my film set. I've learned everything that I knew only by being on the job.
1: I, I often talk to actors um, who find success to varying degrees wherever they grew up, you know, in, in, a, in a local film or theater community. Um, and I asked the question, you know, would you have been satisfied staying there, right? Just kind of living that life, being successful in that sphere and never kind of crossing over, quote unquote. Um, all of which is to say like, and, and your, your community was huge. Like you can be a ginormous <laughs> star back home and never, and frankly, US audiences may never sadly know of your existence. But did you feel like there was something gnawing at you that you wanted to find success or at least make a stab at, at something uh, in, in Western culture? Or would you have been satisfied with a prosperous career back home?
0: Well, I was very satisfied with an extremely prosperous, you know, solid career back home, just like so many of my colleagues in India are. Because um, you know, Bollywood or the Hindi film industry is the largest producing film industry in the world. We make about thousand movies um, a year um, and distribute them all around the world. And, you know, it's e- like the same thing would happen. There'd be a lot of people from Hollywood you could take back to India and shoot with them and people wouldn't know who they are either. Right, right. So, you know, it's just a cultural difference, I feel. But the Bollywood is the only thing second i think to the american hollywood entertainment that travels across the world the way it does we premiere around the world we premiere in festivals around the world um you know so it was a it was a very amazing solid career which i was very satisfied with but when i started doing when the opportunity for me doing music came to me that was interesting to me like i came to america actually to do music because i I've been a closet musician all my life, right? And I've, my dad always wanted me to do it, but I was just scared and shy of being exposed in that way. I guess I'd learned the acting thing on the job, and I could have because you know I got the opportunity as a Miss World to get that. And with the music, I wasn't sure of myself, but I was signed on with Interscope Records. I came to America. I started working with some incredible musicians: Will I Am, Pitbull, Red One. Um, you know, and I just, by music, I, while I it, and it lasted a period of about four years, I remember, um, while I was flying back and forth from India, released a couple of singles, but I don't know. I just felt like my music fell short of my expectations of myself. Um, what I wanted it to sound like, I didn't find my sound. I wanted it to be unique. It was just a mishmash of different things. It was just never, you know, unique to me. and I. The one thing that I definitely learned from that, and uh, you know, that period of my life and big reason why my book is called Unfinished as well is because it's okay to leave behind things that you feel are not in your trajectory anymore. Right. And after doing my music for a few years, I just felt like it was not something that was going to happen the way. Um, I wanted it to, you know, I, I wasn't satisfying my creative self. So I pivoted to what I know best and I looked for representation in America because I was traveling back and forth here anyway. Um, and I said, you know what? I want to do this as well while still working in movies in India because I had met people by then. I was working in LA, you know, I met um, at parties and stuff. You would meet people and they'd be like, why don't you act here? And sort of the seed sort of, you know, got it stuck in my head. And I knew that that was something I know how to do. And that's where um, Quantico happened. I met the VP of casting, Kelly Lee, for ABC Studios at a party. And she just said to me, she was like, I'm so curious about you. Um, I really do think you could be one of the first from India to ever break America. India is really important to us at Disney. And she started having this conversation with me, which really sort of scratched my brain. And then she flew down to India and met me um, at a film set and offered me a talent deal with ABC saying that, you know, if you bring, come to the U.S. to do a show, which would mean obviously, you know, one fifth of the world population is South Indian, South Asian Indian, not South Asian Indian. And they watch Hindi movies, which means a really large audience as well. Right. So she explained it to me like that in the math of it. Um, and I was really curious. And I came to L.A pilot season, read a bunch of scripts that they gave me, liked three, auditioned for two, and got the job with Quantico and that's five years ago.
1: (laughs) Have you found whether, and it's tough to speak in generalities, I know, but like the film sets and the TV sets here, are they run substantially differently than Bollywood sets, than Hindi sets? Is there something you would take from your early experiences from the, the, the films you still do back home that you would apply to quote unquote Hollywood sets?
0: Oh, tell them to loosen up a little bit.
1: You know? <laughs> <laughs> Is that true? Yeah,
0: there's too, too many rules. Too many rules. yeah. I have to say that, you know, there's a lot of paperwork on Hollywood sets and there's a lot of like emails and time management and which like eventually ends up wasting a lot more time, I right. feel. Um, but you know, there's um there's something about having order, which I understand. But um and like that would be the exchange. I would bring a little bit of loosening up to Hollywood and I would take a little bit of punctuality to Bollywood. <laughs> got it, got it.
1: Talk me through a little bit, the, I'm, I'm fascinated by the, the the films that you've chosen, the films you've gotten um, in the States, uh, the unquote Hollywood, Hollywood films in recent years, whether it's like Baywatch was probably, I guess the first big one, um, mm-hmm. then there's isn't, isn't it romantic and I can understand why you would want to work with folks like Rebel and, and Adam Devine. Um, Robert Rodriguez, he's a master filmmaker, I could understand wanting to work with him. I guess just like, is there a strategy behind those kinds of films or is it simply, you know, follow the talent, follow the the great filmmaker? Um, What's your ethos in terms of finding work right
0: now? I think it required me to first understand and the fact that I was starting out in America just because I've had a, you know, 15 year career somewhere else. And it's been solid doesn't mean that I would have the same opportunities when I came here. Um, I was very blessed with being, you know, getting Quantico and getting the part that I got um, as Alex. I worked really hard on it. And, you know, after that, I had to start all over again. And I didn't, I wasn't afraid of that. I, you know, the opportunities that I had with, with Baywatch and Isn't It Romantic and all the movies were, you know, me sort of starting from the lowest rung of whatever opportunities sort of came my way and, you know, making the, my best form. I've just about now, um, after five years or six years of working in America, done my first leading role in a feature or done my first dramatic part. You know, it takes it, it for everyone, no matter where you come from, you have to start at the beginning. And I think it's really important to recognize and accept that, that you have to put your head down and you have to work and you have to hustle and um that's how you'll get there it's the, you know you got to play the long game
1: totally you want to be in it to uh, for a while are you referring to text for you the the film you just shot yes there? yes um so you worked with with a, a mutual friend mr sam hewen the uh, oh really yes he it's uh, he's tough to he's look at a terrible at, guy yeah he's not a, he's not a nice guy Eat he's him. he's an Ugh. asshole he should not <laughs> not be james bond despite what people say Um, Did you sample the Sassanac Spirits? Did he give you some free whiskey, I hope?
0: Very much so. We did an exchange, Um, we had his whiskey and my husband was in town those days. So, and he has his tequila called Villa One. So it was a very dangerous night, I'll tell you that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Did Sam make you watch Outlander? Is that a prerequisite (laughs) for his co-stars?
0: No, he was very kind. He, neither of us made each other watch our work. We just kind of came in blind. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what do you, now, did you also, this, this film I'm intrigued. this also features the one and only Celine Dion. Yes, sir. Screen, it's, you,
0: her, it's her acting
1: debut. It's a long time coming. Did you, you, you share the screen with Celine, I take it?
0: Um, I do, but we haven't shot her parts yet. We're supposed Got to, it. this pandemic happened. Um, we will that. be shooting with her this year, hopefully later. Okay. Amazing, um, but yes, it's very exciting.
1: Um, I very much enjoyed the White Tiger. I'm a big fan of uh, Ramin Barani, the, the filmmaker behind this, and I was thrilled that you guys were collaborating. Um, it seems to, by the you know, you can never tell with Netflix, but you see the charts. It seems like it's number one in seventy thousand different countries or whatever. So crazy. that must that must be a source of pride. That um, I mean, I guess what does it what does it say to you that like I think this is the the beauty of Netflix is that it can cut across different cultures and bring, you know, different films from different stripes to people. Um, Are you surprised, intrigued, excited that White Tiger seems to be resonating across different uh, countries?
0: Well, it's, it's a really big moment for me because I remember um, when, like I was talking about, you know, when I came to Hollywood, um, there was not a lot of parts that were written for leading roles and mainstream parts for people that look like me. So even, alex on in quantico wasn't written for a south asian girl or an indian girl you know it was just it was written for an american girl and i adapted to being her um you know so it took a lot of pushing down doors actually breaking down doors to demand specific kind of you know treatment in terms of getting parts just for the artist in me and not being stereotyped into what is expected from um someone who's an indian character in mainstream in a mainstream role and it requires starting small which is fine but if you see the work that i've done um baywatch isn't romantic i've not been ethnically dis- defined right and that to me was a it was a step that needed to be had in american entertainment so that we normalize being able to see different ethnicities in in you know main parts um and then <laughs> uh i sort of pivoted after i'd done a little bit of that into you know wanting to create after people got to know me a little bit and you know there was a sort of a belief in what i brought to the table and i did my first look deal with amazon and you know there was sort of a respect um that started coming towards me after that i started really, you know, sort of going after projects that were South Asian, that were Indian and bringing them to mainstream entertainment. So when I read that The White Tiger was being adapted by Netflix, and I'm a big champion of um, the streamers, I'm a big fan. Um, But when I found out that it was being adapted by Ramin and Ramin, I knew that The White Tiger was dedicated to Ramin. I'd read the book many years ago. Um, I chased after it. I got my agents to... Actually, my acting coach, my drama coach, Rebecca Kitt, she called me and she's like, there's this really interesting part too. You should check it out. And I called my agents. I got them to call the producers. I said, I would love to, you know, offer my services as an EP. I would like to support this kind of a movie because I know, you know, they're usually movies with an all Indian star cast is made into a genre film. And I didn't want that to happen. I wanted it to come out of being a genre movie an independent movie in the mainstream. I wanted to, you know, talk to people like you about it. I wanted to go to, you know, Jimmy Fallon and talk about it. You know, that's what I wanted to, I wanted to bring in that kind of attention and um, I auditioned for the part. I got both the jobs as an EP and as um, you know, pinky and it was, it, like I cried when I saw that it was number one worldwide, you know, I don't think five years ago that a movie with an all Indian star cast, shot entirely in India, written by an Indian novelist, directed by an Iranian guy would have got the budget that it did or the reach that it had. Definitely. And it's the, you know, it's the confidence that Streamers like Netflix, Amazon, etc., have in global content that I want to be at the helm. And it was my dream when I came to Hollywood, you know, wanting to create that opportunity for myself. But now I want to be able to do that for so many others. I'm so excited with others' work and Raj's work that people are being able to see phenomenal talent from India globally, you know, and that I could do, be a little part of it. Like it just got me so much.
1: It's a very, I mean, we haven't really said much about the content of the film, but I, frankly, I didn't know much going in. It's a very entertaining, like, big story, um, a kind of a, it, it deals with, like, real, I mean, truly, you know, consequential issues of class, and, and, and um, it's a crime story, but it, it just moves in, un, un, you know, surprising ways. It's kind of a, it can be funny and heartbreaking at times. It's a, it's a, it's a really great piece of work, so you should definitely feel proud, and I'm happy it's resonating. Um, Thank you so much. So who's more excited that you're in Matrix right now, you or or Nick? Who who's <laughs> You are in the, the new Matrix movie. You've shot your That's part, crazy. you're done, right?
0: Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, just being a part of something so iconic that, you know, shaped my generation. Like when the first Matrix came out, I remember the conversations around it. I remember how it changed people's perspective. And then to be directed by Lana Wachowski was just like I mean, it's like historic. I'm just grateful to, you know, be along for the ride, honestly, on that one.
1: Did you did you have to audition for that one? Can you give me a little backstory of how how can't
0: it happened? You no story. I'm not really? allowed to talk about it. No, <laughs> I have a major gag order.
1: <laughs> I'm not even asking a plot question. You Wait. can't say how you <laughs> really?
0: I'm just scared, man. Okay. What if they kick me out? <laughs>
1: I, I just envisioned. Oh, I've you, already shot it. You, yeah, I was going to say. Um, yeah, I just envisioned you meeting Lana and Keanu on like a distant hilltop somewhere. Like it's like, <laughs> it, it feels like it has to be that kind of story. Um, <laughs> no, well, I guess- it
0: was. I, um, I did audition, I got a call back, and I was in India and I flew, <laughs> I remember, to San Francisco from India to meet Lana. Oh,
1: wow. <laughs> Amazing! I can't wait. I can't wait. um You're shooting Citadel. I take it right now. Yes. Yes, I or-
0: am. Well, we haven't started yet. We're we're Got still it. in training at the moment. um In this COVID world, most of it is virtual, but we should start filming in a
1: month. And this is uh I've, are the Russos involved in this one? Do I have that right, Joe and yes, Anthony? Yes, or- the Russo brothers are producing it. Amazing! They know what they're doing. Uh, Richard <laughs> Madden. Uh, Pretty, pretty solid actor there you're working with. Um Marussas tend to not make films where you're just sitting around talking. I take this is this is gonna be a little bit action oriented, or what can you say about it? I mean, it's sort
0: of gonna that? it's gonna blow people's minds. The uh, you know what what is happening with the movie and what Amazon Studios are creating. It's truly a global experience um and it's it's going to be phenomenal the world that is being created is something like we've never seen before the technology we're using is is extremely pathbreaking the sheer size of this show is crazy but also the heart that it has i'm just i'm really excited about this ride and just being able to have such a you know a great opportunity to be in it
1: Joe had talked to you about you in an interview a couple of years back. Was that about this, or was was there talk? Yeah. It wasn't like a Marvel thing at the time. It was no, no it
0: was about this.
1: Yeah. Got it. Okay, so we're no closer, sadly, to getting you involved in the MCU. God, damn
0: it, not yet. Okay. But you advocate for me, maybe. Uh, that's what I'm trying. I'm um, you the know. People just advocate for me. <laughs>
1: you never know. Um, are you a fan of those kinds of movies?
0: Yeah, of course. I'm right. definitely yeah. a fan of having <laughs> superpowers. Who hasn't wanted that? Come on now.
1: Well, speaking of superpowers, the great Mindy Kaling, she has superpowers as a writer. Are you still collaborating she's with such her? such a
0: boss. Yes. What's um, going on? It's so exciting with Mindy, how that movie happened. It was just, you know, out of, again, the collective desire to create Indian stories in Hollywood. And, you know, she's someone I really admire. I love her sense of humor. I think she's such a clever girl um, and she's a beautiful, beautiful um, person. And I think just I called her and I was like, you know, I admire you so much. You want to do a movie together? And we met for um, lunch and she was extremely excited and, you know, offered to write it with Dan Gore. We went and pitched it to a couple of studios um, and we, we went with you know, Universal and they're amazing partners. Right now, we've almost finished writing it. It's at studio notes level. So maybe after Citadel, that's what I'm probably going to do.
1: Amazing. So, in between all this, you said you're a big fan of streamers. What have you been watching in recent months? Let's share some some picks.
0: Okay, I've been watching a lot of docs. I have
1: to say, that's I good. watched
0: this documentary called *The Dissident*. Did you see? Yes, it?
1: the Kamal. It uh, insane. Khashoggi. Oh, yeah. god. oh god. Oh
0: my gosh.
1: Heartbreaking. Insane. Yeah. yeah.
0: Even *Assassin*. Did you see that? I didn't um, see that. So that's um, King Jong Un's brother was assassinated okay. by two girls. And it's the whole um, case of in Korea, was it an assassination or these two girls said that they were just doing a YouTube prank and poisoned this guy. It was crazy Um, and I was pretty amazed by it. But I've been watching a lot of like true documentaries. I also watched The Undoing, which was very cool. Um, Very interesting, Little Fires Everywhere. was great this year um what else let's see of course i had to watch bridgerton with all the chatter around it
1: <laughs> yeah I, I i don't know if that's made for me to be honest but i feel like i'm feel behind the eight ball that i haven't watched the bridgerton yet i have to i don't
0: know i thought that it wasn't made for me either honestly when i was watching it but i'm a shonda fan and i wanted to see what she did you know in this world and oh boy she did <laughs>
1: she did a lot <laughs> she knows how to, you know, how to bring yeah. you in how to yeah make a compelling television She
0: knows the thing so i was curious and um but i would recommend it just you know as a watch like to just to see how she creates the thing that she creates
1: do you do you and nick generally agree on what's to watch my wife and i are basically about 80% we 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 are on the same page and sometimes we'll have to retreat to our respective rooms if when it comes to a, <laughs> a certain show
0: yeah we're also about usually 70 80 but we don't have this we spend so much time apart that we don't have this rule of you right. have to be able to watch something together um but when and we tried to do that with the boys and it was really hard because we were trying to we started it together and then i went off to germany to shoot and i was like you can't watch this episode without me but our timings were different so we couldn't watch
1: it. just wake up at three in the morning and watch this new (laughs) episode with me that's love
0: (laughs) (laughs) so then we were like all right just watch it in your own time but let's watch it and decompress and discuss it after each episode
1: there you go. That's the, the the modern ways of a relationship. Look, you've got to make it work. I'm glad you yep. get, came together for the boys. Um, I'm glad we got a chance to catch up, even in these bizarre times. I hope that we can we can do it in person sometime. I, I'm such a fan of your work. I'm thrilled uh, that people are checking out the White Tiger if you haven't already. It's on Netflix. It's no excuse. It's waiting for you, folks. And um, and and your story is remarkable. So people should really check out Unfinished. It's uh, it's an honest and and um, and an amazing story. So yeah, I hope people get a chance to check it out. Um,
0: Thank you so much, Josh. It was so fun talking to you.
1: I hope it was a little break. Enjoy yeah. a training for Citadel. Don't get hurt. <laughs> Don't let the Russos hurt you. And, oh uh, my!
0: I'm really looking forward to actually what my body's gonna look like at the end of this. show.
1: Oh please! Between Matrix <laughs> like and I'll Citadel, you're gonna kick you're gonna kick all of our asses. I'm sure. <laughs> Um, Thanks again for the time today, Priyanka.
0: Thank you so much, Josh. Bye. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't
1: pressured to do this by Josh.